This is The God Show, a conversation about the human spirit, with your host, Pat McMahon. Oh, listen, I love, I love doing this show every week, and I'm not saying that just because of the immense amount of money that they give me, but, <laughs> but because I just enjoy doing the subject matter and hearing from you wherever you are in the world. This is an international broadcast. But I particularly like it when I'm in the company of old friends, and the emphasis is on friendship and not old. I've talked to this gentleman, I think, more times. I think he's been probably on this show more often than I have. And the reason we keep inviting him back is because he's so doggone good. And also, I try to keep track of the number of books since the last time we talked. This man, this author, is responsible for more books than Barney Britannica. Uh, I have no... How many? Kevin Lehman, up to now, this moment, I know you came out with one in May. So, Dr. Kevin Lehman, have you lost count of the number of books with your name on the title? Well, now we just say, Pat, over 60, but I think the real number is upper 60 somewhere, but we're, we quit counting. Because no, of the, humi- the humility, out. right, Kevin? It's because of the humility that you quit counting? Well, no, it's the fact. Three of the books are really good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in the mid-60s, we'll say, and how does anybody ever have the time uh, to, to complete more than 60 books? He does, Dr. Kevin Lehman. And I'm not going to go over any of the titles because if you don't know them, doggone it. Look, you have a responsibility for getting involved here in some capacity. So look them up, because they're worth your time. The latest, Eight Secrets to Raising Successful Children, is that last May? Yes, uh uh-huh. And Dr. Kevin Lehman, if you will, bless us, grace us, uh, and this large audience that goes around the world waiting to find out what we're going to talk about and with whom, tell everybody who may have missed your previous appearances here, who the heck Dr. Kevin Lehman is and was? Well, number one, I'm proud to say I'm a, a friend of Pat McMahon. I grew up in Buffalo, New York. I was the youngest of three children. The first two were perfect, which set me up perfectly <laughs> to not only write the birth order book, but to be the mischievous, uh, do-anything-for-a-cheap-laugh youngest child in the family. I graduated fourth in about of my class in high school, couldn't get in college, uh, was in a reading group with a girl who ate paste in first grade, <laughs> finally got in college in Chicago, Illinois, got thrown out for stealing the conscience fund, which we do not have time to talk about today, <laughs> came to Tucson, Arizona, where I now live, uh, met my wife when I was a janitor at Tucson Medical Center. Mm. She was a nurse's aide. She walked in the men's restroom when I was mopping the floor helping a little old guy go potty, and uh, our eyes met. I said something stupid. Uh, I asked her, will the World's Fair with me? She said, well, I don't know. The World's Fair was in New York. This is Tucson. And so I said, how about lunch then? And she agreed to that. We went to McDonald's, split a 20-cent cheeseburger, 10-cent Coke, fell in love, and 54 years later, that woman is still 
chasing my body around our home, and we have five <laughs> adult children and four grandchildren. Oh, and if only we had more time, we could go into more detail, because it's all that interesting. Uh, by the way, there's been Lehman Academies. Yes, Lehman Academies. We have seven Lehman Academy of Excellences. If you, if you think the world is going to H-E double hockey sticks in education, and you want some hope, uh, check out Lehman Academy of Excellence. We have one up in uh, Mesa on South Power Road. We have one in Parker, Colorado. We have five in the state of Arizona, and we're going to add a couple more here shortly. But there's schools that require kids to think, to measure up, to respect each other, to respect authority, to respect our country. Uh, pretty traditional in many ways and cutting edge in others. So they've been wildly successful. They're hard to get into. They're free, but you get on that waiting list early, and chances are you can get your little ankle biter in there early. Have you used any one of the eight secrets to raising successful children in the academies? Yes, uh, I've used uh, one of them in particular, and that is uh, teach kids to be grateful. Kids today are on the take. They're hedonistic little suckers. Uh, they demand that uh, parents cater to them. In fact, I'm old enough to remember, Pat, when uh, this is late-breaking news, that kids used to obey their parents, oh. and now parents obey their kids. So that paradigm has switched 180. And so we really try to support the home. We partner with them and uh, in a very practical way. So if little Pat is uh, mischievous, uh, like little Gerald the brat, uh, we'll deal with them. I tell the parents we'll deal with them. But if little Gerald gets way out of control, then I always tell them, expect a call from school. But guess who gets the call? The kid does, not us. And the kid gets to say, you need to come pick me up now or I'm suspended for a week. And trust me, that works. Do you believe in spanking? You know, my wife is a very gentle spanker, and I appreciate that <laughs> because she's very kind to me. Uh, was that the question? Was that a marital question? Or no, was no, that no, no, no. We're talking about spanking the children uh, oh. Oh. By, by way of discipline and corporal punishment. And that was the rank that you had in the military, wasn't it? Corporal punishment? Yes, it was just about it. You know, the, my, my, the head nurse at the hospital, God love her, she pulled my sweet wife aside one day when she said, nurse's aide, she said, Sandy, don't associate with that janitor. <laughs> He'll never amount to anything. That, I think statements like that drive a baby at the family like me to keep doing what I love doing, and that is trying to help people figure out life. Dr. Kevin Lehman, we have talked so many times over the years, but not really any time that I can recall comparable to this, this time of hourly, daily changes in everybody's life. Are you concerned about the result of these days and what they mean to tomorrow? Yes. Uh, we live in an interesting time where authority seems to have gone out the window. You know, most of us grew up in an authoritarian home. We had parents who just told us what to do, and we heard things like uh, children to be seen and not heard. 
Well, those days are long gone, and they've been replaced by the permissive parents who do their kids' homework for them and snowplow the roads of life for them and make sure every kid gets a trophy. So in general, I'm dismayed about the direction we're going. But since COVID hit, uh, you know, if you're building a new home today, um, a friend of mine just shared this with me the other day, the builder is short 170 electrical panels for the development in Colorado. That means 175 people are not going to get their homes built until those electrical panels arrive from overseas. They're on ship someplace. So everything from those minor inconveniences, Pat, to the terrible toll, uh, remote education, and uh, screen time has done to children, I don't think we're going to recover from that. I think there's going to be a dent in our uh, children, so to speak, psychologically and educationally, But because literally they are missing out. So there's so much to talk about there. I mean, at every level, you have so many people. Again, we have seven schools, and so... We've had a lot of teachers out with COVID, and so what do you do? You bring in substitute teachers. Well, I certainly don't want to be put in a position where I'm slamming a substitute teacher because God bless them. I'm glad we got them. But if you think the substitute teacher is good for a young child in first, second, third grade, I'm here to tell you they're not because kids need that bonding experience with that, that father or mother figure in the classroom. And that's lacking today. We've broken up everything. And so we're paying for this over and over and over again. On top of that, all the health concerns has become a political uh, hotball. Who wants to get into that? You can't win. Uh, I've been in meetings with mommies who are pro-mask and uh, mommies who are no-maskers. Okay? I'm just telling you, Pat, you might as well take a big, a uh, grocery bag from Bashes, put a wildcat and a sun devil in it and shake it up for good measure and just sit back and enjoy. Because mm. they're after each other. And so things have become polarized and uh, people have lost friendships over uh, inoculations uh, or no, uh, no vaccines. I mean, it's it's just crazy. So, yeah, I'm I'm worried. I'm worried because as I speak today, we see... The Soviet Union uh, about to march into uh, Ukraine, another, another country, and you see that kind of aggression. You wonder where the heck are we going in this world? Where's the leadership? I mean, I wrote a book; it's a five-star rated book. If you're interested in leadership, friends, I, it's a blatant commercial, and I don't need to sell you a book. Trust me. But the way the shepherd is a wonderful, compact little book that talks about what real leadership is all about. And I think we need leadership not only nationally, um, but uh, in our states, in our cities across the country. Uh, defunding police, I have to tell you, it's not that the dumbest thing I ever heard of. I don't know what is. And now some of those cities who were all for defunding, are, of course, now on their backside saying, hey, no, no, we, we didn't mean we don't want you in our neighborhoods. We need to patrol cities. There's so much that has to be done. So the pandemic has just 
set everything on steroids for people, and it's it's just got us as a nation, I think, very uh, selfish and ungrateful for what we have as a country. Well, with the stress on the family unit that we're just talking about and that we see examples of every day in the news, uh, with those children being affected now and growing up into adults, where will the leadership come from? Well, H-E, double hockey sticks, I'd like to know because we're bringing kids up, Pat, in our society today to feel like they are the center of the universe. Now, you tell me, if you bring up a kid to feel like he's the center of the universe, how much interest is he going to have in his fellow man? Is he the one that goes down to the blood bank and gives a pint of blood? Is he the one that stops at a stop sign or a red light because he doesn't want to hurt somebody else? No, they're hedonistic people who just think about themselves. So real leaders, uh, you know, quite frankly, uh, no one should pay for your leadership if you're a leader. No one should pay for it. If you're a leader, there's sacrifice on your part. You take care of the flock. In fact, if I can be so personal, um, a local company here, I say local, they have dealerships all over. Jim Click Automotive Team uh, here in Tucson, and they're in California all over. Very successful businessman. I've known him for years, but he hired me to come in and talk to his top 45 managers. And uh, keep in mind, I wrote, the way the shepherd book which is a a story about uh being a good shepherd and i got there early as i always do it i was having my coffee in the corner and in walks jim click he doesn't see me and he goes around and he greets all 45 of his managers by name mm. later in that day he addressed the fact name by name of where they came from. This guy came from Sears. This guy came from the U.S. Post Office. And when he walked in and I saw him doing that, the fellow who invited me, his right-hand man, he was an earshot. And I said to him, I said, Sam, check out the shepherd checking on his flock. And see, the real leader cares about his flock. He goes after the the one little sheep that's caught in the, in the barbed wire. And that kind of leadership today, some people call it servant leadership. It, it's missing. We don't have it. Uh, I mean, I would just suggest to you that people in the federal government have better insurance, Pat, than you and I. Mm -hmm. Politicians have insurance a little better than you and I. And we have a self-serving group of people who are trying to tell us that they really care about us. And I think a lot of us are shaking our head and saying, well, I'm not so sure you care about anybody but yourself. So uh, where are those leaders going to come from? That was your original question. And pardon me for going left and right and center field on that. But how if I know, to put it bluntly, because there's going to be very few leaders produced by our culture today, uh, unless the culture changes. Kevin. What was the last United States president that you remember in your lifetime, not historically now, but in your lifetime, 
that made you say to yourself, I'm glad to be an American primarily because of this guy? Wow. Uh, you know, I love the presidencies. I, I've studied their birth orders, which is sort of interesting. This is the birth order they doctor, by the way. We should acknowledge yeah. to the audience, if Dr. Kevin Lehman uh, is immediately a familiar name to you, it may not be because of the Lehman Academies. It may not be because of the books. It may be because the beginning of his life as an author was as the birth order guy. And that applies to the presidency? Yeah, it does. But, you know, the two that come to mind, Pat, I just went through the whole list of them. The first one that hits me, it's interesting because they're very different people and different politically. One was Ronald Reagan, and then the other was John Kennedy. Very interesting. But both of them, both of them had something in common. They inspired Americans to be better. To be better. You know, and they challenged people. You remember, the, you're old enough to remember the Bay of Pigs. Sure. I remember my mother running out to get a transistor radio because she thought uh, the world was going to come to an end. She wouldn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> it was crazy times. Well, when you're talking about and, missiles, uh, when you're talking about missiles 30 miles off the coast of uh, Florida, yeah. uh, there are a lot yeah. of people who were worried that the world was going to come to an end. But it took a leader to take decisive action. It took a leadership of Reagan to say, knock down that wall. Yep. You know, so leaders, when you look back, I mean, I'm not much of a, I'm really, for a guy that's got his name on a school that's historical based, I'm really not a, much of a historian. But um, if you look back at leaders who really were great, they were good at being decisive. Uh, I just saw a poll just this morning, 60% of people who voted for President Biden wish they didn't today. So leadership seems to be a huge thing. And of course, with Trump, we had all kinds of uh, turmoil. And he was uh, the one, he was the one uh, relative to what you were talking about concerning the image of America uh, here and internationally. Trump was the one, if you recall, that had all those hats and all those T-shirts with Make America Great Again. Is that the message you're talking about? No, not really. Uh, I think it was more basic than that. I think that uh, I'm talking about inspiring people. Um, here's the problem with Donald Trump. In a nutshell, I described him once as a horse who could not allow a fly to land on his tail mm. without swatting him. Mm -hmm. And he probably would have been a much better leader if he would have kept his mouth shut in so many different areas. But if you look at economically and some of the things he put into uh, practice for the U.S., we were basically uh, not dependent upon anybody for oil. And this country has more natural gas than you could choke a horse with. 
he had us going in a lot of good directions. Of course, that all got reversed as soon as. So it's just the political thing. You know, Tip O'Neill used to go out and have a beer with his Republican counterpart. You know, those days are over. These guys, it's black and white. It's everything's uh, at uh, odds with each other. Are you it's saying we can? Are you saying, Kevin, that we can never go back to that kind of uh, responsible leadership? And um, and sensitivity to the respectful end of the other side with whom you disagree, that's over? I'm saying that if we don't go back there short term, it's over. I mean, let me ask you a question. You're the host of the show. Do you think the universe, do you think the uh, uh, United States of America will be in existence in 200 years? Well, history says no. History says that democracies only last a couple of hundred years. Right. And we're, if we implode, Pat, do we implode from outside or inside? Or, or, do, we, or do we implode getting back to that original, uh, that original direction that we uh, began with? Do we implode because kids never learn leadership as they were growing up because they were tied irrevocably to social media. What about that impact, Kevin Lehman? Well, I call the, uh, the cell phone the new Goliath. If you look back in history, the old Goliath, he got he got knocked on his tail. This Goliath will not be knocked on his tail. It's here. It's uh, robbed children of creative thinking in so many ways. Screen time, we've had 40, 50 years of research. The screen time for kids just isn't good. So when kids take tests, <laughs> they got a phone handy. They just Google, they Google everything. You can Google me and I. you'll see all kinds. You'll see me in action. <laughs> you can Google Pat McMahon. I mean, it's the world they live in. It's an instant jello society where kids want to go from the bottom to the top. They come out of college, they want an executive level position. I think it's pretty well documented that uh, uh, kids are uh, mildly, uh, trying to be kind, mildly selfish and hedonistic. And some of those values that I think our parents tried to teach us uh, have sort of gone by the wayside. And you can ask a kid what Beyonce's last song was, and they can tell you. Oh, but ask them, you know, who the second president of the United States was. Uh, they don't have a clue. Or ask them who their state senators are, uh, the U.S. senators, uh, the mayor of their town. I mean, it's pathetic how ill-informed we are as a group of people. So I, you know, I don't know. These kind of discussions, Pat, they they uh, they make me feel sad. Uh, and I don't mean to be the grim reaper here, but um, we 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 need a little wake-up call to realize that this country has its faults, has its flaws. There's a lot of great American people here who care about other people, who go to work every day and pull their weight. And uh, 
I think we still have a country that we should be proud of. Can it get better? Of course it can. But, but hasn't you don't throw the baby out with a bathroom. Hasn't the problem, though, been a cyclical one? Hasn't it been uh, almost to the point of redundancy that as technology is introduced to the public, that there are those critics, yes, some of them who are in academia like you are, some of them in media like I am, who decry the idea of something that will destroy the very foundation of the family, like they said about the telephone, like they said about radio, like they said about television and movies. Hasn't that always been a problem with grown-ups talking about kids going to hell in a handbasket because yeah. things are better than mom and dad had them? Yeah, it has been. If you go back, it's sort of funny to see what, what adults said. You know, I'm an old rock and roller. I have five jukeboxes. And I remember what adults were saying about rock and roll and where that was going to learn, uh, lead our nation. You know, Absolutely. When Elvis came out. If you remember, Elvis couldn't, they could only shoot Elvis from the chest up on yep. the Ed Sullivan show. Yep. You know, I have stuff like that. Tommy Smothers. I mean, my wife and I had dinner with Tommy and Dickie Smothers in New York one night. And it was a, it was a, a fun moment in my life. But I look back at CBS, uh, you know, censoring them. And yeah, but today it seems, Pat, that the stakes are higher. That we live in an era where somebody with a push of a button could wipe us out, and we could wipe other countries out. Uh, it's different than it was uh, 50, 60 years ago, for sure. So then, then let me ask where you. Do we, let me ask you this then, Kevin, uh, based on exactly what you were just talking about. Is part of it not technology? Is part of it not the indulgence of parents with their children? Is part of it because there's too little or too much God? What about the spiritual essence? Well, I think our real problem is a problem of the heart. Uh, you know, in the way of the shepherd, I talk about the heart. Heart is a, it's a wonderful thing. Um, teams that have a great heart many times will defeat a team that's much better on paper than they are. Why? Because mm -hmm. they had heart. And trust me, I'm a Buffalo Bill fan, and uh, I am still a little numb over the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills uh, divisional game. I've never seen a football game like that in my entire life. And for the record, these two quarterbacks, these two giants are like heavyweights. And they're going to continue to slug it out for the next 10 years or so because they're both that great. But I digress because I'm still grieving over my Buffalo Bills, so please forgive me. So much that I've forgotten question you asked me, so you're going to have to repeat that to get me back on track. Too little or too much God in homes around America? Well, I think we've lost sight of who God is. Now, there are people who don't believe in God. There are people who don't believe that God spoke the world into existence. If you believe in God, 
he was the Alpha and the Omega. He was the beginning. He, he had no beginning. Well, go to Stanford University and study four years, and you tell me, college graduate from Stanford, wrap your arms around God has always existed. How does that settle into your brain? I think some of this stuff is really difficult for any of us to grasp. Uh, I can tell you this, and I feel very pleased to do so on, of all shows, The God Show, that God changed Kevin Lehman's life. Because I had no use for God. God was some obscure whatever out there in La La Land entity. And uh, when I was about 21 years of age and going to school and working as a janitor and going to night school, trying to do it all, uh, I encountered the presence of God. That's when I began to believe the teachings of people like St. Paul. And uh, my life did a 180. God gave me motivation. I mean, this is a guy that flunked Latin several times, got a 22 in elementary algebra, and all of a sudden God gave me motivation in my first semester full-time back at the University of Arizona. By going to school full-time, I got on the dean's list. Now, I'll let somebody else explain that if they want. But I can tell you where that motivation came from because I found a purpose in my life. And uh, I have been a believer since my 21st year. And what if people what right, now, right now are listening to you saying, no, I believe, I'm a person of faith, I believe that there is a God just not working for me. It just isn't happening for me. So they want to know how they can discover that next plateau based on the acceptance of that greater spirit entity being. Well, that's a, a simple question in some ways and difficult in others. Well, I'll tell you what the researchers tell us. It goes to your question, Pat, that 90% of Americans believe in God. Mm -hmm. But of that 90% of people who uh, believe in God, how many of those people uh, live a life of serving other people? Mm. I would hazard a guess that's a very small number. Uh I happen to worship at a church down here in Tucson, and I've spoken in every big church there ever was, out in California, near uh, Warren's Church. It's huge. Uh, I've spoken all of them, trust me. If they're huge and big, I've been there. And uh, I've never found a church like the one I go to in Tucson who has free medical service for people. Uh on Mother's Day, uh, all single parents are asked to stand up, and people walk around and bless them with money. Um, I mean, I could go on. There's a litany of things they do that just invest in other people. And I think we as a country have gotten so far away from just some of the basics 
of taking care of our fellow man. You know, before welfare, Pat, and again, I'm not a history student, but I know this for a fact. Before welfare, welfare came from where? It came from the local churches. It was the St. Vincent de Paul's. It was the soup kitchens. It was, you know, there were people out there who dedicated themselves to helping other people. Will there always be people who need a handout, always people who need help? I think there will be. I think that's part of the human condition. So I don't know. You know, you're exercising my brain way too much for a youngest child in the family, okay? <laughs> I would much rather make people laugh. I can tell you funny stories. I can tell you why I got thrown out of fourth grade, uh, which I still think is a very funny story. Uh, but these questions, I mean, you're asking me questions like, what is truth? But I think everybody has to navigate their own personal relationship with her maker. You either believe that amino acids got together in space, and from that we got you know, caterpillars, horses, uh, frogs, and you and I. <laughs> That's one. There's other people who believe that, you know, God created. And I'm one of those people, I'm a creationist. I believe that God created. But have some of the churches themselves gotten away from an appropriate mission in life? <laughs> Pat, Pat, Pat. If, if there's ever a book I should write. Okay, I got the title of it. I have other authors write to me all the time and email me and say, I need help with the title of the book, Lehman. I love your titles. But here's my title. I'd love to write the book. Christians will do it to you every time. <laughs> because every time, Pat, I got the green weenie of life. Okay? It wasn't from some heathen, you know. It wasn't from some atheist. It was some... Uh, over-effusive, self-proclaimed righteous Christian. I mean, uh, personally, I'd like to punch them out. You know? <laughs> of course, in a Christian-loving way, Pat. I'm a Christian-loving way. But, you know, some of these people drive me up the wall. So I'm, I'm, so, I'm a rebel in many, many ways. People are seeing me as, boy, this guy is really straighter than a dollar bill. You, you got me wrong because I'm a, I'm a rebel in a lot of ways. And uh, I have uh, I've, I've written some things that people don't like. I mean, the cancel culture's out there. I mean, I wrote a book, Pat, called Sheet Music, which is a toss-up whether or not that's the best book I ever did or not. But it's a it's wonderful the, it's book. It's the best title. I've told you this in the past. My favorite title for virtually any how-to book is Sheet Music. Yeah, I just sent it to a young couple that's about to get married. And I, I sent them two copies, and I told them, highlight the book, and then exchange books. Because all of us in marriage come with a rule book. And sex is something you'd think would come easy. Rabbits tend to do it really nicely. <laughs> but for human beings, uh, they have problems in that area. Well, the cancel culture has come out. Some woman in Michigan wrote a book about uh, people like myself, and she badmouths me big time because I believe that men and women are very different. <laughs> and so in the cancel culture, no, men and women are the same. You know, I got news for you. You show men and women the same stimuli in different parts of their brain lights up. We are fundamentally different, and uh, behaviorally we're different. And, and in terms of the number of words you use in a given day, we're different. 
we're different, different, different. And viva la difference. It's the differences that make us a couple. But I'm all I'm saying is, no matter who you are today, and uh, you get ripped. Whatever, if you stand for anything, uh, you're going to get ripped today. And uh, so it's not a, it's not a self. Uh, Oh, what's the word? word? It's not a. It's not an encouraging society we live in. Mm-hmm. In fact, I just saw something today where Einstein wrote out a board. One times nine is nine, and two times nine is eighteen. And he went all the way through. And when he got to uh, nine times nine, he said uh, eighty-one. And then he wrote nine times ten is ninety-one, and everybody laughed. And he pointed out, he did it on purpose. He says, isn't it interesting? I've written 10 things exactly right, but the one thing you pound on is that one thing. And so we become a society of flaw pickers. And if you want to be a good flaw picker, you have to look very far to find a flaw in your human, in your, in your brother. But uh, I hate to invoke the name of Jesus, but he was the guy that said, you know, uh, those of you who love to find faults in other people, you should take a look uh it's a log in your own eye, not the speck of your brothers and your mm. sisters. So, I don't know. I sound too much like a preacher, but I guess on the God Show, I'm allowed to do that a little bit. Yes, you are. Dr. Kevin Lehman. Dr. Kevin Lehman of the Lehman Academies, uh, formerly of the faculty of the University of Arizona. Latest book out of 60, oh my God, how many uh, let's let's just even it up at 65 and say that this was the most recent one last May, Eight Secrets to Raising Successful Children. Uh, yes, successful children uh, and not tortoises, not poodles. He concentrates on your kids. He's learned from his. And one of the things in the book I noticed, by the way, is that you also lecture the parents to practice self-control. You don't want them to be indulgent with their kids, but you also tell them to be careful about just staying cool. Why did you pick yeah, on that? Pat, yeah, well, Pat, I gave you two of the eight secrets, and I won't give you more, but I gave you the one uh, already, uh, which is to teach your kids to be grateful. But your question begs for me to share number two. And number two is, hey, parent, don't worry so much about what your kids should be, okay? You, parent, you, you be the person you want your kid to be. Now, that doesn't sound profound, but if you think about it long enough, hmm, that sort of hits home. Let me get this straight. I have to be the person... I want my kid to be. He says, see, parents speak out of both sides of their mouth. And kids are not fooled, believe me. You fool adults easy. We're dumb as a rock. But it's hard to fool kids. And so, you know, we all love our kids. But kids need to learn to fail. Uh, The family is a great place for a kid to learn to fail. It's a safe place to fail. Talk to anybody who's successful in life. And you're going to find failure in their life. And they revel in the fact, many of them, that they failed. You know, I got to know Herb Kelleher well at Southwest Airlines, the chairman of the board. It's something he said I still laugh at. He said, you know, at Southwest, we're in the service business. 
but it's in, and it's incidental that we also fly airplanes. Mm. What a great attitude mm-hmm. for a leader. We're servants. We should be servants to each other. But we're not doing a very good job. In fact, we're shooting each other in our major cities. And drugs, of course, are the scourge of the nation. So, you know, that's another talk with somebody who's more well-versed on drug usage than I am. But it's a, a scourge of a nation for sure. Is it tougher to be a kid today than it was when you were growing up in Buffalo and Chicago? Absolutely. In Buffalo, New York, you let your dog out early in the morning. If he crapped on the neighbor's lawn, all the better. <laughs> it was going to be a good day, Pat. And all you had to worry about was uh, be home before dark. <laughs> and kids, kids roam the countryside. You know, I mean, today it's just, it's, we have so many crazies walking the streets. So many people will hurt and maim uh, your children. We just had a case of a 24-year-old girl who made the headlines who was stabbed by some guy working in a, she was working in a furniture store just mm-hmm. off the street. Just, it, the, our, our society is full of that. So yes, parents, I understand why you pick up your kid and take them to school and you're more protective than you were. This Times have changed. But to answer your question, it's much harder. And that little internet uh, and that um, social uh, chatter needs to be addressed. You addressed it earlier, and I probably didn't do a good job of it. But, you know, today, the 11, 12, 13, 14-year-old kid who goes to school in Phoenix, Arizona, or Tucson, Arizona today, you know the one kid he doesn't want to be is himself. Mm. Because... He is going to get hammered if he is anything out of the ordinary, whatever they're supposed to be. And the mean-spirited nature of kids today, uh, we have kids who said, unfortunately, to other children, why don't you go kill yourself? And, of course, you know what they've done. They've gone and killed themselves. We, so we've just moved so far off that uh, I just hope and pray that we'll get back to some sense of normalcy where respect people's differences uh you know i'm a guy of faith but i don't go out and tell people hey become a guy of faith like me i try to respect other people's faith and if they're a heathen they're a heathen i i i have heathen friends that i love much more than people i've met at my own church <laughs> so who's kidding who but i just think it's it's sad that the pandemic has taken the uh, what's the right word? The uh, loss on our society, on our kids, and our growth—it stifled a lot of things. Pat, I don't have all life's answers in my back pocket. If I did, I would do another God show with you and say, "Hey, here's the rest of the story." Minus Paul Harvey. Uh, but, <laughs> I don't have but but Kevin, Kevin, the, here's one that you may accuse me once again of stretching your frontal lobes uh, to the point that you're uncomfortable. But I'm going to try. Uh, when we talk about being able to go out until dinner time or until dark and being able to enjoy the freedom uh, that we once had, and now there are all those crazies that we have to worry about who are just waiting in the bushes. Well, haven't there always been crazies? You're the psychologist. Haven't there always been disturbed people? It seems to me that in in reading, 
documentary literature and also fiction uh, that there have always been violent people who will do violent things. So why do we single out this era as being one where we all have to be deeply concerned about walking outside and down the block? Well, Pat, I have an answer for you on that one, believe it or not. That's a tough question, but I do have an answer. And what's happened... Well, let me give you a little backlog before I say what I'm going to say. I made a mistake in sending my youngest daughter to California for college, okay? When her ACLU card membership showed up at my home address, (laughs) I wasn't quite sure politically what I wanted to do with that. But with the help of the ACLU, years ago, I'm going back into the probably late 60s, early 70s, I might be off a few years, but we moved from a time where an individual's rights in our society have become paramount to the exclusion of the rights of other people. What I'm saying is, to answer your question, yes, there's always been crazies, but when there were crazies years ago, there was a way to take that crazy out of society and get them treatment. Now, some people say, well, the treatment of the mental facilities, mental health facilities weren't very good back then. I would agree. They weren't very good. But it's better than having crazies walk in the streets who are going to do harm to other people. And so uh, a rhetorical question, you don't have to answer it, but in today's society, uh, are you guaranteed a fair trial? Uh, Is that the goal? I think it is. Well, let me ask you another question. In today's society, are you uh, guaranteed a perfect trial? See, if your trial isn't perfect, everything's thrown out. You could admit you slit someone's throat, but if someone didn't cross an I or a T, and it all goes back to individual rights. We've taken individual rights to a height not known before at any time in our society. So we don't have right now in our society a way of dealing with people who... Uh, to use a clinical term, are nuts. We have a person uh, down here in Tucson who's the Ernest T. Bass of 2022. If you don't know who Ernest T. Bass was, he was the guy in Andy Mayberry who used to throw rocks through windows. Mm-hmm. There's a guy down here on one street alone where he has done several hundred thousand dollars worth of damage by simply breaking windows. And do you think they have been able, they know who he is? They know his address? Has he been dealt with yet by the law and taken off the street? And I would ask anybody, is there such a thing as a public menace? I think there is. But we, our hands are tied in so many ways today. Even when a police write them up and you get a prosecutor that's going to slap their hand and let them go, there's no follow-through. So if you want a free society, you have to have discipline. You have to have authority, and we do not have authority in our system across the board today. So what do you do? So what do you do about it, Kevin? What do you do? I think at the grassroots level, you try to get people into politics who give a rip about people other than themselves. We haven't been too successful at finding that level of purity among those who aspire to political office, though, have we? 
But, but Pat, let me tell you why. Because a Pat McMahon, as good a guy as he is, and let me tell people, you know, I have so much respect for Pat McMahon. I put in one of my books, one of the three best interviewers that ever interviewed me in my life. And Barbara Wawa and Brian Gumble and all those other has-beens, uh, they interviewed me. I'm telling you, this guy is terrific. But here's the thing. If Pat ran for political office in Phoenix today, okay, he would get crucified <laughs> for something he did in his past. I don't care what it is. I don't know how small it was. It would be blown into a uh, huge out of proportion. And uh, people who want a life and don't want to be harassed by mob rule are staying out of politics. So who are going? Who are the people that are going into politics? People with egos big as the room and God only knows what else. But we lack leadership in our country today. And, and, and don't take my word for it here on the God Show with that man. You ask the neighbor employer, the manager, ask him how easy it is to get people today. People who have a good work ethic, people who give you a good day's work for pay. And they'll tell you what I'm telling you. It's, it's getting harder and harder to find. You know, I'm um, someone who really never aspired to a political office. But even if I did think about it now, I would dismiss even the possibility because you said there were two other guys who also were my equal when it comes to interviewing. And I'm so fed up because I want to know who those two guys are and whether they're running against me. Uh, listen, all I, can, all I can tell you is... is Kevin Lehman, who has written every book that wasn't written by some of the mystery writers, uh, is our guest, and we've only got about five minutes. Oh, here's one. Here's one that I just thought of. How about picking a leader for tomorrow, either locally, regionally, or nationally? We're looking for that ideal leader that is going to take us out of the woods and into the sunshine, and we do it with Kevin Lehman's concept of birth order. What are we looking for when it comes to a real, trustworthy leader and his birth order in his family? Well, I want to tell you that, but I, I, I want, am I getting paid for this interview? Because we have talked about a lot of things. I just want to throw that out. Just make it the subject. Make so. it the subject of your next twenty-two books. I'm, I'm, I'm going to continue, nevertheless. I would like to give you the name of a guy. I'll give you a name of a specific person that I think would be a great leader. And here's my problem, Pat. I'm in my seventy-eighth year, which means I'm getting old. Hmm. And right now, the guy's name escapes me. He ran for the Senate <laughs> in the state of Michigan. Hear me out. Maybe somebody will bail me out here. Uh, he ran hmm. for the U.S. Senate in Michigan and lost this past election. Yeah. He's, a, he's an African-American man. He's articulate as they come. To me, he reeks of being a good leader. I have never until this past election ever made one donation to any political figure. But I sent him a check for his election up in the state of Michigan, and it's driving me nuts. I can't think of his name right now. 
Uh, okay, just a second, Jer- just a second, because Rosemary is beginning to look it up uh, on his, her handy dandy wrist, Dick Tracy radio. Uh, yes, I wonder if Don't you, you can... wish you had a thousand of those today. Okay, but this this representative from Michigan is he in Congress now or? No, no, he lost. He lost. And but, you, do uh, you remember lost. what he was in Michigan? I don't. Okay. If we look at election results for Michigan, we'll probably find it under U.S. Election. Okay, whomever but it is that guy, ran for Congress, who's an African-American yeah. man, because uh, I want to know, too. Yeah. And if we only have two and a half minutes, we'll have to do the solution to this. Uh, hold on just a second. Robin, Robin, John James. John Thank you, John James. James. He's the man. Okay, well, send send a guy. check, I, I, send a check of appreciation to Robin at this station, and he yeah. uh, graduated from West Point. That Robin is so smart. Well, that's what I mean. The guy, you know, I don't know the guy from Adam, but I heard him talk, and I said to myself, "That's a leader." Now, Mrs. Uppington, the woman I've been married to for fifty-four <laughs> years in a row, yes. She's always said, she said, Leamy, you have a nose for people like a beagle. <laughs> and I don't know if I do or not, but something tells me that's why I like John James. And that's why I love Pat McMahon. Well, all, I can, I, all, all I can tell you, all I can tell you is, is if your wife calls you Leamy, uh, you may yeah, not ever want to run does. for public office because that will come yeah. up. <laughs> You've oh, got God. you've got a minute and a half. That's why I'm jumping in here, uh, because I didn't ask you to come in for laughs. We would have asked Mel Brooks to do that. We're talking with a psychologist, Kevin Lehman, an author of 60 plus books, who is now going to answer this question in exactly one minute. How do we learn to trust again? Well. I'm not sure I can answer that question, Pat, but I can tell you this about feelings. You know, I'm a shrink. I've helped a lot of people get their lives together, some very famous people, by the way. But I always share this with people, that uh, feelings draw you close together. Judgments push you apart. And we live in a very judgmental time, and we all make judgments how we're going to live our life, what kind of car we're going to drive, all that. But you know what I'm saying? That that judgment, can it's just poison. It, it poisons our society. It poisons our relationships. So learning to share feelings with those you love, I think it does start in the home. I'd love to tell you that all homes are perfect, but they're not. Uh, but the, the stronger the home, the stronger America. I always tell people, uh, we at Lehman Academy of Excellence are only as strong as our weakest teacher. And you've been in our school. You've seen our schools. Our schools are they are more than good. They're difference maker schools. And it's I one of the reasons. And it's one of the reasons we invited Kevin Lehman because uh, there's only one of him. And no matter how many academies there are and how many kids graduate from the academies, you'll remember your visit, won't you, with Dr. Kevin Lehman on The God Show. And this is Pat McMahon.